0: Recipes for Success with me your host Heather Thompson. As a strategic career coach and mentor I help unfulfilled women discover their true career potential. Recipes for Success is more than just a podcast. It's a platform that sparks curiosity, encourages self-reflection and offers a fresh perspective on what a successful career and life can look like. Whether you're seeking guidance in your career, personal development or simply looking for motivation, Recipes for Success is here to give food for thought to empower and uplift you. If you enjoy this podcast please feel free to check out my website thesuccesscoach.ie for more information on how you can work with me for personalised career coaching. Tune in and be inspired to create your own recipe for success. Mm -hmm. Meet Chantelle O'Connor, a counsellor, coach and mentor who specialises in helping women heal the relationship they have with themselves by breaking free of intergenerational trauma. Drawing inspiration from her own struggles with relationships, body image, career, debt, and substance abuse in her teens and twenties, she traced these challenges to low self-worth from intergenerational trauma. Now that she discovered the root of her issues, Chantelle was able to move from mindlessly activating self-destruct mode into healthier, more positive coping mechanisms. She built an emotional resilience toolkit, including learning how to regulate her nervous system, somatic techniques to release the trauma stored in her body, and through intergenerational trauma coaching, give back any burdens that were not hers to carry. If you're new to the concepts of intergenerational trauma and the mother wound this episode serves as a valuable introduction to these ideas and their potential impact on your life. Understanding how to regulate your nervous system is a pivotal topic in our conversation as it's essential for conscious change. Chantelle emphasizes the importance of replacing repression with release, breaking unhelpful cycles and learning how we can stand in our power. Ultimately the relationship you have with yourself is your most important relationship in life meaning how you speak to yourself and how you treat yourself will dictate the quality of all your other relationships. This conversation is all about support and awareness to understand why we are the way we are in the world. Enjoy. Hi and you're very welcome back to another episode of Recipes for Success with me your host Heather Thompson. Joining me today is Chantelle O'Connor, a counsellor, coach and mentor helping women heal their relationships with themselves by breaking free of intergenerational trauma. Chantelle you're very welcome.
1: Hi it's great to be here, thank you for asking me.
0: I'm thrilled, I'm so so intrigued by what you do and just can't wait for this conversation to, to learn more.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm great. It's really great to like share about it as well, because it's not something that everyone is is aware of.
0: Amazing. Well, maybe we'll start at the beginning, Chantal, and tell us a little bit about your life story and how it is that you've kind of come to this point where you are then helping other women heal their relationships with themselves.
1: Yeah, sure. So throughout my 20s, or really from like a young teen, maybe around 13, I started to like have issues around things such as food. I found I didn't, I didn't realize at the time, but when I was 13, I found relationships quite hard. So friendships I found quite difficult. I've become quite overwhelmed. Um, And I found it very hard to navigate life, I think, which I suppose most 13 year olds do. But as I grew older, these problems seemed to kind of worsen. And I had problems around alcohol. I had problems at school. I just had problems with, I mean, the crux of my problem was actually um, having self-worth, really. Most of it was about poor self-worth and Mm. also trauma that I hadn't really, like, unpacked. Um, And I spent most of my 20s trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Like, I just thought there was something, you know, deeply wrong with me and I had to fix it. I found it affected every single area of my life. So my relationship with food, my body image, alcohol, drugs, uh, jobs. I would jump from job to job. Uh, I had a really bad relationship with money. I was in quite a lot of debt by the time I was like 28, 29 And it all kind of like came to a head for me around that age because I was finding that traditional therapy, talking therapy, wasn't quite doing what it said on the tin, if that makes sense. I wasn't seeing real change. I was, you know, I would have weeks where it would be okay. And then, you know, again, the sort of Mm. depression and anxiety that I'd felt since I was 13 would return and... I, as I I got older, and I think probably most of your readers, oh, sorry, your listeners could identify with this, is as you get older, those sort of things seem to just get worse. So around that age, I learned of something called the mother wound and the father wound. And Mm. I then had had a lot of resistance to looking at those two things because immediately as I learned about them, I felt incredibly scared and also just didn't I thought I just don't want to look at that stuff and in terms of my childhood I moved around the Middle East quite a lot and my parents did the absolute best they could with what they had at the time however my when I look back now doing the work that I do I understand that my parents were suffering from their own generational trauma and this really impacted the relationship that they had with me And once I started to learn about the father wound and the mother wound and also intergenerational trauma itself, so looking at my grandparents um, and looking at the legacies of generational trauma, I began to see like real change because I understood what was happening and i understood how certain things that had happened in my childhood had changed my nervous system and there was a reason why i felt overwhelmed around other people mm. and also a reason why i struggled with interpersonal relationships as well as a reason why i tended to you know self destruct rather than have really like positive coping mechanisms so once i like began to see that that was at the heart of most of my my issues I began to be able to like clear a lot of that. And that took a lot of like working through stuff that wasn't mine to carry anymore. And really in my mind, as well as my body, because there's the big aspect of this that I never really realized was that a lot of the trauma was stored in my body. Um, And my traditional talking therapy just really hadn't done anything for that. Mm. And I wouldn't know where I was in my nervous system. I wouldn't know that I was triggered. I wouldn't know that my tendency to sort of shut myself away was a response to not really having relational resilience. Mm. And those are are all things that weren't, you know, weren't particularly modelled to me as a child and weren't really modelled in my parents' relationship and so I started to really understand and and also through understanding I really began to be able to make changes. The biggest change was the relationship I had with myself that really I understood that that had been coloured by generations of trauma and things that had happened in my family history. And this is why I think it's so important in what I do is because I see so many women who just can't put their finger on why they have such a poor relationship with themselves or why they struggle to trust others or make decisions for themselves. And like when we get into the crux of generational trauma and also your nervous system, where it lives in your body, you know, what parts work is this, I start to see things change for these women and those were the things that helped me sort of really be able to sort of change the narrative I think I was, I was living by for a number of years really.
0: Firstly thank you
1: so much for sharing
0: so candidly and openly there and there's so much in what you're saying, Chantel. Like, I think it's really interesting when you started off talking about some of the problems that you felt you were having, you know, making friends, depression and anxiety, but actually they were the symptoms of the root of those problem, which was the kind of unhealed wounds. I think that's so interesting because when I figured that out, like when I figured out that there was a difference between like symptoms and the and the root of the problem, then that actually changed. I so, suppose I suppose like you're talking about like eating disorders, right? Like so you're trying to maybe or, or body image and you're mm. trying to like kind of fix that, right? But like it's sort of just a symptom of like what you were saying like normally that comes from the root which is a lack of self-worth and actually if you can go to the root and try heal that that is what's going to heal the symptoms
1: not trying to fix the symptoms if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, Exactly and also like I think I had a really I had a thing in my head for a really long time that if I if I was a certain weight, and I did everything a certain way, then I'd be safe, like I wouldn't have to deal with difficult feelings or have difficult things happen in my life. And what happened each time was perhaps if I hit my goal weight, or I had, you know, worked myself into burnout, I would not be able to, I noticed that those feelings that I still had, were still there, whether I was a different weight or whether I was a, a lower weight, it didn't make any difference to me because I hadn't actually worked on the relationship I had with myself. And the same for work it, or any sort of achievement, I wouldn't be able to actually enjoy that. I would just be thinking, okay, well, I have to move on to the next yeah. thing now. So that really makes a lot of sense to be putting it into. And I think a lot of women struggle with this, is this idea of we have to be perfect and we have to have it done perfectly.
0: yeah. Or or we get stuck the in the we'll be happy when syndrome, you know, we'll be happy yeah. when we're a size ten, we'll be happy when we get that job. And then I've had that experience too, you get to those goal weights, you get that job, and you're like, I'm still fucking miserable. Like
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And right? it's even, you know, people say about you know, money, even having a certain amount of money, or you know, you see people who win the lottery, they you know, there's a lot of stories of people who are divorced a few years later. Yeah. Uh, have spent all the money and it's actually even though we think god if I had won all that money all my problems would be solved it's actually not the case obviously a lot of them may be you may have debt that you can clear that might improve your mental health for a time being however you'll notice that unless you've broken certain patterns within yourself Mm. or changed the relationship you have with yourself you'll tend to return to those places that are familiar to you which may be, you know, self-destruction, self-hatred, all of those things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think that's also a human thing. We do live in a society that's like, oh, if you have this, you know, and that's why we buy into a lot of the advertising. But actually those sort of things provide very fleeting contentment
0: yeah there are dopamine hits really versus like what you're saying say regulating your nervous system and if we're talking about going to the core of something so you mentioned obviously the mother wound and I also heard you say you recognize Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that your parents did like the best that they could with what they knew and I think when that word comes up like there is a lot of resistance and sensitivity because obviously we don't you know it, it maybe might feel a bit little bit disloyal to kind of speak ill of our mother. It's a very hard thing for people to maybe talk about because I think there's a lot of guilt and like I said, that kind of disloyalty. Is that something that you experience
1: with your clients? hundred yeah. So I think the mother wound as well, maybe more so than the father wound, because the mother, our mother is our first primary caregiver and also she gives birth to us. And also the mother wound is more um Sons can have the mother wound, but it can be a more complex and like nuanced wound within the daughter because we're the same sex as our mother. So unfortunately, Mm. if our mother has certain beliefs about the world and her body and, you know, what we should and shouldn't do as women or where our place is or how much money we should earn, these are going to be beliefs that we will inherit as a daughter because our mother is our first model for the female in the world if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so we also have a lot of stereotypes of mothers that we have to put up with and things that people will say to you when you might say oh actually I don't really speak to my mother or I don't have a great relationship with my mother, and a lot of people will jump in with, "Oh, you should be grateful you have a mother," or, you know, um, "Your mother did her best," or, mm-hmm. "There's so many," or, "You shouldn't speak ill of your mother." And I think what the difference is between between what I really understood and what I teach my clients is that this isn't about mother blame. We're not vilifying your mother. We're not demonising your mother. We're not trying to blame your mother for all the problems that you have in your life at the moment. It's just about understanding how the mother wound, because Mm -hmm. the mother wound didn't start with her. She probably has her own mother wound from her own mother who had a mother wound from her grandmother. And so it's about recognizing how that's really gone down generations and generations and then come to you. And the thing about healing the mother wound is that it heals you actually break a cycle for the next generation. So if you have, if you choose to have children, you obviously can show up as quite... It's not about being a perfect parent by any means. It's just about showing up differently and perhaps being more aware of things that you may say to your child about your own beliefs, about being a mother or being a woman, or, you know, especially in, in this world at the moment. And I think that can be very hard for people to get their head around because I think... There can be a lot of um, resistance around betraying our mothers, but actually, the thing—if we reframe that—once when we heal the mother wound, we really actually we stop the cycle. So we stop things passing through down to the next generations. And usually, as well, a lot of my clients will say to me when they're healing the mother wound, they have a different relationship with their mother. They actually give back a lot of their mother their power. So, for example, some women I work with and also something I experienced was parentification, which is when you um, you become almost a little mother when you're far too young or you become responsible for your mother's emotional well-being. You may become your mother's counsellor or surrogate spouse. And all of those things can really impact your own sense of self-esteem and your own sense of identity, which right. can lead to the issues I spoke about. Just earlier because you're struggling you weren't really given the space to mm. find out who you were and also have that safety net of your own parents so like you're not responsible for your parents happiness or well-being and fortunately that isn't the case for a lot of the women I work with so sometimes when we do this work it's actually a gift because we can give our mothers back their own autonomy and be like it's not about saying I'm never gonna listen to any of your problems again. It's up to us how we want to navigate that. We may still show up to our mothers and yeah. and provide, you know, comfort or, you know, listen to they're one of something they're worried about. That's completely different than being perhaps a dumping ground or, you know, like everything is just about trying to make sure your mum's okay. That can be a very draining um experience for a woman. And also I think Some of the people I've worked with who've, you know, become mothers themselves, they've recognised that they can't mother their own mother and then be a mother to this little baby as well. So it's really about we give our mother back their own autonomy.
0: Yeah. No, I really hear that because it kind of sounds like, you know, maybe people can have taken on like far too Mm. much of an emotional load or like the wrong role within not the wrong role but like a you know a role that really wasn't befitting of a child mm-hmm. at an age that they shouldn't and I like your call it it's not about vilifying or blaming your mother it's just about understand like to me it sounds like understanding the dynamics of the relationship mm-hmm. so you and them can stand in your power and autonomy to kind of determine how you want this relationship mm-hmm. to be like as an adult because it's funny I don't know if you get this but like, I haven't lived at home in tw- over 20 years. But, like I said, if I go to my home mm-hmm. place, there's still that element when you're under your parents' roof that, like, you revert back. And I'm, you know, waiting mm. for her to put, like, something on the table or whatever. And I'm like, I could, not like, just go to the fridge and make a sandwich yeah. myself. But there is something about being in spaces around yeah. your parents that funnily revert to this kind of younger version of yourself.
1: Yeah. And I guess also, I guess for the people and also something I would see is when I would go back to my parents is or I mean, my parents divorced many years ago. But when I would go back to one of their homes, I would find this surge of emotions come up for me and I would feel resentful and angry and not wanting to be there. And I would notice now when I, because of the work I've done, I noticed that's because my nervous system has gone into overdrive. Some of the people I've worked with, will say things such as my mother wasn't a safe person to be around or my father wasn't a safe person to be around as a child. So even though we're an adult and we're going back into that family home and we know that maybe the car's parked outside and we can leave when we want, we have free will, we're not child anymore, we can still feel those feelings of being a child that's just stuck there and has to endure it and has to, and the, unfortunately with children is, is they will adapt and that's because they have to survive that household. So they will adapt in ways that to make sure that they are making mum or dad happy. They won't think things like, oh, my dad's being a bit of an idiot right now and he's being really unfair or my mum is just being so horrible to me. This is so, un-. you know, they won't see anything objectively. They'll just think there's something wrong with me and I have to change it. Well you get the breeding ground of like toxic shame and toxic guilt that will like follow you around until you really look at it and unpack it. Um, And also, you know, the way that our relationships with our parents are unfortunately colour the relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. friendships, as well as especially romantic relationships later on in our life. Because we may feel a lot of people I've worked with will feel like they need to earn love, you know, that it's not something that's just freely given and that they're inherently worth. It's that they may feel that there's, you know, there's so many things that it affects really. It's so
0: true, and again, I think it's the understanding piece, right? Like, the more you can understand about yourself, like, the more you can show up in the world in the way that you actually kind of want to. Something I realised recently was, like, I can be a bit of a people pleaser because I don't want to upset people, right? I want you to like me, Mm -hmm. and I'll Mm -hmm. throw myself under a bus To to enable that. And I think that is a little bit like I grew up in a busy household. I was one of, you know, five kids. My grandmother lived with us, which brought like, you know, a different dynamic into the house as well. So there was always this sort of need to be noticed, need to be paid attention. And, like, the best way to do that, you know, mm-hmm. was to be good and to do what people wanted you to do. And it's, it's funny, like, do you know, I, I like, literally, you know, I'm in my 30s and I only actually kind of realised this over the last couple of months. Because I would honestly, like, I would feel it right in my chest if mm-hmm. I upset somebody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know what you mean. Like, you nearly, the emotion nearly brings you back to that age. Yeah,
1: like, something terrible was going to happen because yeah. I said no to- or you know I've said I don't agree with something or yeah, yeah I understand that totally it is a fawn response which is a trauma response to yes to a childhood that exactly what you said you feel like you had needed to to please others and that's also something that most women unfortunately because of the society we live in we've been taught to do to put others first Yeah, and we come second, you know. So that's that's something that really has to change as well, especially because it really is like a departure from self. It's self abandonment in many different ways, you know, to the point where it doesn't mean that we never do anything for anyone ever again. It's just about the balance between that and when we need to say, "Oh, actually, you know, I I need to be on my own this evening." And I started to really find that I became quite good at just saying no when I started to notice that I just really didn't want to do something. If something in my body was saying, oh, God, no, please, definitely not. You know, I remember I was in an office working and they were like, oh, are you coming to the pub with us tonight? And it was I was about 29. And usually I would go to those things and I'd end up drinking too much and I'd ruin my weekend. And and I just thought I just said no no I'm not and I just said that's all I said and she was like oh is there a re-? and I said because I just want to go home and be I just want to sit in my bed by myself and I just was honest about
0: it but you're so right because I had to learn that as well first of all to say no but also not to over explain myself
1: yeah because no is actually no is no we don't need to say anymore yeah, so it's a full sentence, like yeah, yeah. Very difficult for women. Yeah, we feel like we need to justify it, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, I have an early appointment and I have this, but you're right. Like yeah. what you said was totally. No, I don't
1: want to. Yeah, I don't want to.
0: It's really interesting what you're saying, and I agree. I like, I do think I have a fawn. So anyone listening, mm-hmm. I suppose this kind of like like reactions that you can have. So we all know about like kind of fight or or flight, fight or flight. But there are also freeze and fawn. So freeze yeah. is when, like, you're actually just stuck. Like, do you know... Yeah. It's like when people are like, oh, but if that happened, I would react like this. I can't understand how that person did nothing. But that's a freeze response. Like, that's how that person's yeah. trying to keep themselves safe. And fawn is exactly mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm trying to, like, mm-hmm. you know, talk you into liking me and, like, kind of, I suppose, yeah. flashing you into that. And I think it's really interesting even knowing that sometimes we can have a tendency to react But I guess that's all coming down from like you're saying, Chantal, like our nervous system and a deregulation there. Like how, like, tell us how you learned a little bit more about how to kind of regulate yourself.
1: Yeah. So I never really understood the nervous system until I started to, I, uh, around a few years ago, I, when I said, I sort of looked at my mother wound and I worked with a coach who introduced the element of your nervous system. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense to me. So she introduced the, she introduced, what she taught about the autonomic nervous system and where we live on it in the day, especially if we have certain childhoods or certain experiences. I mean, most people in this world will, will have some trauma now. This is not, it's not, so there's, we will live in certain places within our nervous system. So the very top of our nervous system is the vent- ventral vagal. And that's when you feel very social, you feel joy, peace, you want to connect with others. So when I first started this work, I thought I hardly ever live there. I never go to that place. I never mm. experience those things. I experienced them maybe fleeting, but then I notice they disappear completely. And then you have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So, I think the power of sympathetic is when you are in you are in fight or flight. so sorry, no, that's the sympathetic. So the sympathetic is like the middle part of the nervous system. And that's when you're in fight or flight. So for me, I would live in this space a lot. I would have like, I would be very adrenalized and I would be rushing up, rushing from thing to thing, doing thing to thing, like not eating properly, drinking too much coffee, you know, making sure I have all the things done in the day. And it was my way of trying to um, ensure my worth through being productive. I and I I would live here, and then I would get to the end of the day, and I'd think, I don't know how to relax. I, I, I can't, I've got so much energy in my body. How am I going to sleep? And this was when I would really start to see problems like within my menstrual cycle, because a lot of it would impact the cortisol levels, would impact my my hormones and then my ability to relax. I mean, even now I can relax, but I have to really bring myself into like a routine of it. I'm not someone who can just switch off very quickly. And so, and then she said about the parasympathetic, which is the dorsal part of your nervous system. This is where you have like the freeze shutdown responses. And that's my, that might be when you're like totally numb you know, you're completely dissociated because dissociation is a p- is part of trauma as well. And what she introduced was this kind of map. For like two weeks, you had to notice where you were to keep saying to yourself, like, where am I right now on my ladder? Um, and I would notice that like in the supermarket, for example, like say I've had like three cups of coffee and I've not eaten mm. properly. And I'm like trying to do all the things again. And I'm not asking anyone for help because I have to make sure that I do all of them. And this then I would say this to myself and I think, God, I really need to sit down, have a cup of tea and a sandwich. And I need like 10 minutes to myself. And once I started to be able to notice that I could see where I was on my ladder. Mm. And there's also a lot of stuff to do with your body. It's not just about recognising maybe mentally where you are. It's also about noticing where your body is within your because your body and your mind will work together. So your body will give be giving you signs that it's it's in one of these parts. And I think for me, a lot of like learning how to listen to my body was a big part of healing this stuff because I live here. I live in my head. I don't live in my body. I find it very hard to come down into my body. So that for me was like doing things such as yoga. Recently, there's been someone on. Um, I think she's really like changed it which is the workout which she does like a lot of somatic stuff somatic exercises which is meant to bring you back down into your body because I think what some people forget is that we have three minds we don't just have our mind and that's it we have our body as well and we also have like our energy field so our body holds memories that before even our mind has cognitively processed them so say you're three and maybe this is an example I'm, I had like one lady speak to me about she had just had this like deep sense of dread in her body and she couldn't really figure out she knew like her mum had lost her temper with her verbally a lot and she knew that kind of stuff lived in her head but she would have this deep sense of dread in her body and she recognized that I think her dad shared with her like when she was two or three, her mum kind of um would get a little bit annoyed with her and yank her arm really hard, really hard, and that's actually before she could really cognitively form a memory around that. Her body had remembered it and and stored it. So also, it's a lot about that because that just to bring back to your question will in- will impact where you are within your nervous system and where you tend to live. So. The whole point of that is trying to get you back up to the ventral vagal, where, which is the part where you feel, you just feel yourself. You're quite calm. You, you feel quite peaceful. It's a lot. It's associated a lot with like the seeds, like you're curious. You feel sort of contentment, that sort of thing. And you want to also be connected to other human beings. Because unfortunately, with trauma responses, as you will want to, a lot of people want to shut down from others. Because they're overwhelmed within their own system.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that last point about when overwhelmed, like sort of nearly like having a feelings wheel. If you can kind of know where you are on a spectrum then it just allows you to know like what maybe you can do to support yourself there. So like you are saying, like the, so it actually was at a mm. restorative yoga and yoga nidra workshop last night with a friend. And she was even saying, like, we were doing alternate nostril breathing and that's really good for dropping into your parasympathetic. So I think mm. there's more, again, more awareness and language we have mm-hmm. around things. People can go find what works for them to yeah. do that. I know Brett work. Ice bath, kind of cold water therapy now is massive. And that's all what that is, right? It's all about dropping in. And that's even like somatic techniques, like something I'll often do. I used to do a lot in corporate, like after kind of tough meetings or conference, I would dance around my room. And I said, you know, that Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off? Like that is literally what I was trying to do.
1: Yeah. And that's what that's that's a really powerful thing to do as well is shake because your body will let go of things before you even realize.
0: That book, there's body um knows to score. It's by like a Dutch or like, I don't know the his his name off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but I link it in the show notes for people. Like there is a lot of science around exactly like the experience you shared of your of your client mm-hmm. Chantel, where like stuff like that is actually stored in there, and that's why like you're saying talking therapy alone may not be enough for some people because this is somatically stored. Yeah. Like I think I said this to someone else on the podcast. Like I store a lot of my emotions in my hips. And I will also, so I store my yeah. stress in my my neck and my upper back, my anxieties in my stomach, like you know nerves are in my chest, but mm-hmm. I only know that from being able to first of all know that I'm feeling the emotion and then
1: learning to drop into my body mm-hmm. and check where that feeling is a hundred percent, and i think I think also it's about just recognizing about bringing awareness to it, which is exactly what you were saying, it's like bringing conversation and, obs- and observation yeah. into those moments in your day where you can be like where am I right now yeah and in that ladder and also about especially because maybe we didn't grow up with this kind of talk or encouragement or compassion is about treating you wherever you yeah. are with The utmost compassion and love. And that is really a practice because it might not come naturally to us. A a lot of certainly if we have a mother wound and a father wound, um, you know, we may have grown up with a mother who was treated herself quite badly. And that can really and also even a father. And that can really impact how we treat ourselves. So I noticed for me, I would get really frustrated with myself when I was maybe nearing shutdown or a freeze response or I would become, you know, just very discouraged when I was back in fight and flight. And actually what the biggest game changer for me was just accepting where I was and how and asking myself, how can I help you right now in this moment? Like what can I do for myself to help? And that changed everything, but it also meant that I went to those places much less. Like I rarely go into shutdown now. And my fight and flight, yes, I will go there, like, uh, because we live in a very adrenalized society. However, I don't go there like I used to. And I make sure that my time for a break or my time to like go outside and get like 10 minutes to myself or be outside, all these things that you can bring into your toolbox will mean that it's okay to be in those places. This isn't about constantly being at the top of your ladder, because that's just not that's just not real life. Um, but it also makes those moments yeah. when you are at the top of your ladder, like so much more yeah. joyful because you're like, oh, this feels, you just, it just feels completely different for me. I know when I'm there because I feel, I feel switched on. But I feel like there's space and I'm excited and I can, and it sounds, I don't want to sound cheesy, but I can feel joy, like peace and joy. And those, and I feel them not only in my mind, I can feel them in my body as well. And that's really about, Just that's because I've changed how I speak to myself and how I treat myself. Those are like the two fundamentals I try to teach is that this is why we're doing this is because it's about it's not about being perfect or us always being at the top of our ladder or us always saying the right thing in a meeting or to a friend or us, you know, never feeling guilty again about saying no to something. But it's just about how we navigate that
0: yeah it sort of feels like when you're talking there it's like having a certain just level of consciousness so yes. where we're at like you're saying it's not about always and I actually kind of really dislike kind of toxic positivity where oh, I like guess yeah. do you know yeah. what I mean like oh be grateful like no some days are shit yeah. and some things are shit like of yeah. course like with time you can reframe it and find positives but I, I I just like when people try to push me up that emotional ladder too quickly because yeah. we all yeah. process things differently but yeah I I like that it is it's about the consciousness and I would really have a similar experience to you until like the more I was conscious of that I could like you said do the little things on my toolkit to look because I knew I was there and I knew maybe I needed more minding or in that kind of joy space you know I would find those glimmers in my day like I would Mm -hmm. just enjoy like sitting outside with a cup of coffee in the morning with the sun and my dog beside me like that maybe before I would have rushed through so I I really yeah I, I really get what you're saying there I wanted to go back and ask you about the intergenerational trauma piece, because I feel like that's probably a term that might be new for for a lot of people. I know it was only something I kind of stumbled across in maybe the last 18 months. And I found it really Mm -hmm. fascinating. And it makes a lot of sense if you think Mm -hmm. that genes get passed down. It is just really interesting. And I think for me, like I would say I'm very like I really believe in like choice and accountability and autonomy so to kind of think that oh is that not just kind of like allaying blame somewhere else like if I'm saying no actually it's, yeah. it's the product of this but what I came to understand is sort of like there might be stuff I'm carrying yeah. but it's like what you said that's not like it's not it's not mine it didn't come from me you know so I don't know, that's how sort of how I've processed it. So, but like, this is something obviously your area of expertise, like tell us a little bit more yeah. about how you define inter- intergenerational trauma and how it manifests for people.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, intergenerational trauma is the transmission of traumatic experiences and their psychological effects across generations. So um, they usually can be linked to legacy burdens and, A legacy burden is something like a belief, an emotion, a sensation, even an energy that you may not be carrying from your own life experience, um, but it's been passed through your ancestral line and it's kind of affecting, it's fracturing and fragmenting the relationship you have with yourself today, even if you're not really consciously aware of that. So I don't know, for example, you may have had uh, beliefs that came from your parents, such as don't trust rich people or, you know, money's evil or something like that. And in, and usually mm. you may, they would have experienced that from their own parents. So that's kind of just been something that's kind of come down the line to you. And you may find that you, you're not even really conscious of it, but you might have like a really terrible relationship with money. You might not trust money. You might not really want to, you might find that when you have money, you want to spend it as quickly as possible. And then there's other things. There's There was actually a study done for children of Holocaust survivors. So they, they did this study, I think it was in the 60s, and oh, they yeah. got these children who were now young adults into a conference and they just did a survey on them. And most of these children had parents who never spoke about the Holocaust to them, never said anything to them about the Holocaust because a lot of you know there's many different ways to deal with that level of that level of you know heartbreaking trauma that they obviously experienced and a lot of people especially because there was less even talk about PTSD yeah, yeah. um that people would just have shut down and really sh- pushed that part of their life away especially when they immigrated they came over to start new lives and you know they w- maybe have wanted their children to have a different future than they had and a lot of these young adults were number one all worked in some sort of mental health capacity were all kind of um, yeah uh, counsellors or therapists uh, or um, a key worker social worker in some form of a support to another human being and also a lot of them spoke about reoccurring nightmares that they would have of experiences of things that hadn't happened to them that that they would have imagined had happened to their grandparents or their grandparents or their parents had witnessed. And what they noticed was that actually lived with them in their body, that kind of fear and dread. And there's actually a book called It Didn't Start With You, and he talks about this they did a study about how epigenetics can be changed by mm. trauma and therefore affect your your ability, you, the way that you experience the world. So, for example, um, your mum, maybe if your mum was quite anxious throughout her pregnancy, that will actually be something that you will feel and perhaps something that you struggle with now because it's changed the... Um, the epigenetics of you yourself, so it's it's really fascinating, and that's also what this study was about: was how these children, young adults, were experiencing trauma that actually wasn't theirs, and that can be a legacy burden. I read one st- story of one woman whose mother uh, sadly killed herself, and she felt that she had to carry her mother's suffering throughout her life because it was disloyal for her to feel happy or to feel content or have healthy relationships she felt like she couldn't be happier than her mother because in some way that would be disloyal to her mother's death and that was that can be a legacy burden and exactly what it is is a burden it it Mm. fractures and fragments the relationship with you have yourself because you are carrying something that isn't yours to carry anymore and it never was yours to carry. So one of the exercises can be to give that stuff back to your parents or your grandparents and say, you know, thank you for giving me this or thank you for trying to teach me something, but I don't want to carry it anymore. This is yours. And that could be like a sort of visualization. It could be a meditation. It can be something about bringing the, that sort of ancestry into the room and passing it back because you don't want to carry it any longer, and you also don't want to give it to the next generation. So that is really what intergenerational trauma is. Is it can just be felt across generations. It's also something that uh, people who have experienced racism, so our grandparents who have experienced racism, or you know, have been vilified for being a different race or a different nationality that can also be felt across generations, whether it's through things that are said, you know, implicitly, um, sorry, explicitly or implicit kind of things that have just been felt of being marginalised, being not accepted. That can all be things that we can be carrying that that isn't ours to carry, basically.
0: Yeah. and Thank you for that. Really great explanation of what it is, and it kind of comes back to what you were saying at the start. Like sometimes when all of this is going on, like you can you can kind of feel like maybe I'm broken, maybe there's something wrong with me. But actually, maybe realizing, mm-hmm. oh wait a minute, like this wasn't mine to carry. It can be very empowering, like you said, to to start to give it back. And for me, like I think what I inherited is like work is hard so like my grandmother like lost her husband so my grandfather like when my dad was only like about 4 and nearly lost the farm then and you know it was a real struggle for her to to keep it going and that's what I had unconsciously ingrained, that work is hard, it's always hard and everything, even it's funny, we're talking about healing, like I remember when I started going mm-hmm. to, to therapy, I talk about doing the work and even I remember a therapist saying to me, and they're like, why is everything work with you? Mm-hmm. Um, But it was, it's because that's what you're meant to do, you're meant to work hard, it was all about the work and yeah, it was like that, inter- that. I was like, I don't. Uh, that's not mine, actually. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So I to- I totally, I totally get it, and I think it's very interesting. And I actually think it was that book you mentioned. It starts with you. I think that's what I read after I had kind of come across it. So I guess the message mm-hmm. is again, it's just another way to understand more, more about yourself,
1: mm-hmm. and also like I guess it's recognizing that we live in a time now where we have much more conversation about this. Like I think we have a long way to go talking about these things. but our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents really didn't have I guess support conversation just even awareness around those sort of things
0: it probably would have been slightly shameful to talk about those things outside
1: of the house you know oh massively yeah, like especially in certain cultures like you know the, that was very much like having any which which is again the heart of the mother and the father wound because those things were repressed in them were like yeah like you know buck up you know pull your socks up and put a smile on your face and don't worry about it those sort of like exactly yeah. what you said about the toxic positivity stuff um that you know there's still remnants of that especially sometimes on social media we can see that kind of like you know we can label people who are struggling as just being negative or
0: attention seeking normally is
1: yeah that, that also you know and it can, it can stir up a lot of emotions in other people. And that, that's really because they're afraid to look at their own stuff. But yeah. just thinking back to the grandparents and the parents is like, we can do better now because we have better Nowhere. things. Yeah, we, we exactly. We know better. And so it's really kind of like this shift to being like, I don't want to pass this, you know, over uh, and yeah. down. And and also sadly, just to talk about like what's happening in the world right now I was talking about this last night with my partner is the generational repercussions of what's happening now will be felt for years and years and years because of the children that are losing their parents and brothers and sisters yeah. and the people that have lost other people on either side will feel that for, for centuries and that yeah. will be a ripple down. And we will as a collective society feel the repercussions of that. Because these things are happening that are barbaric and we can't get our head around. And that's because if you look at it globally, things go in cycles because we never learn from history. So as a global society, we we always repeat the same thing again. And I think on a personal level, it's about understanding that I'm not going to repeat this again. I'm not going to carry this any further because it will just be repeated and there's already all this other stuff that's happening. So someone said, like, how do you not stay? How do you not feel awful like, and depressed every day when you look at the state of the world? And this old mans I think it was an old man, he said something like, because I'm tending to my own garden and I'm making sure my own garden. And that's not him being ignorant. He knows what's going on, but he's just not giving all of his power to that.
0: I I do believe in cycles like I think if you take like the ultimate cycle which is nature like you know there's a cycle to everything even our own life like we all have a life cycle of stages we go through and you're right I think that's good advice that quote in terms of we don't we also don't want to end up in despair and lose soul hope in humanity and you're saying about that quote the best way to do that is control what's in our controllable which could be mm-hmm. what we're talking about here which is increasing our understanding of how we are in the world and why why we are the way we are in the world and trying to break some cycles there to m- move ourselves and remove mm-hmm. humanity in that little small way on uh tell, honestly that was fantastic and i could I keep talking to you there's so much more i want to ask but just in the in respecting uh, so respecting much. your time but i know so you're on you're on social media as completely Chantel. And I I will I'll link everything in the show notes For anyone mm-hmm. listening So you have a website You have Instagram um, And you have a YouTube there as well And I know you have some great videos up there So if people want to delve deeper into this I also know like you offer Some coaching services And different masterclasses If you maybe want to kind of If anyone yeah. is interested in learning more Like completelychantel.com And it's completelychantel on Instagram But like I said folks I I'll, I'll link it in the show notes So you can find it as well But thank you so much for Yeah educating us on those really interesting topics around like the mother wound and internet and Jen. thank you so much for bringing in a flavor of what's happening in the world there at the end as well as well as sharing your personal experience so yeah thank you so much and listeners i'll see you next time
1: thank you (laughs) thank you
0: If you've enjoyed this episode of Recipes for Success with me, Heather Thompson, I will be grateful if you can take a moment to rate, review and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. I love reading your feedback and it will help others find us. Visit my website, thesuccesscoach.ie for more resources and information on how you can work with me for personalised career coaching. Remember to follow me on social media at word on Instagram for updates, behind the scenes content and sneak peeks of upcoming podcast episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to reach out as I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you for listening and remember, your success story awaits.